You're listening to the AID Network. Jack Prince, I'm going to tell you why they're the best. I'll tell you why they're the best, because they care about you and creatives just like you. On most of their orders, you can print up to five different designs in the exact same order. So if you want to do stickers, up to five different designs of stickers. If you're doing the custom pocket notebooks, five different designs, no additional costs. That's five times zero equals zero. No extra money, all extra wins. That means if you wanted to do a sticker pack or a notebook pack or please a bunch of different clients with one order or maybe sneak one or two in for yourself, it can always be done by going over to jackprince.com. Don't forget jackprince.com slash circle of trust. You'll save money with shopping with our bros at Jack Prince, and you'll also be able to make more up to five times as much more when you spend less at jackprince.com. Jackprince.com slash circle of trust. Thank you for sponsoring today's show. Hey, friends, I want to thank everyone for all the warm wishes on episode 900 that dropped yesterday. So proud of that number, but ready to just dust that off and begin the grind to episode 1000 that will happen later this year. If you'd like, go over to youtube.com slash adventures in design. Head over to the channel where I've been doing YouTube lives daily. That's a hard one for me to get out. And if you catch me live, make sure to leave a comment. And if you catch it afterwards when it's posted over to the channel, youtube.com slash adventures in design, always make sure to leave a comment each and every day. I pick one comment at random and send somebody a free piece of AID merch or one of the many things that people send me to review. So books and weird oddities and buttons and pins. Everyone wins when they head over to youtube.com slash adventures in design. And while you're there, please smash like, hit subscribe, hit the bell button, trying to grow the YouTube channel. It'll help everything else grow in return. And I appreciate your support. What do you say we get started with comment below? It's episode AID 901. morning like every monday or tuesday maybe this week i don't know how it all settles out i had a big celebration episode 900 should have just released it's been it's been pretty much like the entire career 900's been a hassle because of the guests and trying to schedule it all together but hopefully it all came together and you're listening to us on a monday or tuesday sean mort how are you sean where are you at <sighs> really really you still haven't turned your microphone on. It's been a week and you still haven't turned your microphone on. Connie Collinsworth, how are you, ma'am? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I want to just jump right in and tell you about something that I watched that just grabbed me. It just grabbed me. It got me in. And I'm like, this is why TV can just be so good. My wife and my sister-in-law, whom I love dearly, both of them, sister-in-law, though, is what I was meaning. They went away. They, my sister-in-law came out here from New York to Los Angeles where we live. The two of them, they went to Mexico for a few days and then they came back. And I had a weekend with my sister-in-law in the house, which some people would hate. I absolutely adore. What ended up happening was is that I said, hey, I always like a good group watch. I'm, I'm a big fan of, a, of something you can put on and you can hang out together. So the first thing that we group watch was the Netflix Firefest documentary. Uh Man, I watched both of those, the Hulu and the Netflix, on your recommendation. Yes. Because I probably would have gotten to them at some point. I hit that Hulu one, and I was just instantly having the same reactions that you mentioned to us on a previous episode. It was just a shit show, and I was so drawn into it. It's like the best of the real world stuff, music, um, documentaries, and bad people all together. Bad people, bad intentions, and the whole time you're watching it, you're just like, how how much of your evil are you aware of? How much of it is self-preservation? How much of this is that you just you actually think that you're going to pull it off? Like, fascinating. And I would recommend anyone, if you haven't gone in, and I know we talked about this on Hammer Time last week, so we'll keep it short. Go over to Hulu, 
because Hulu will show you the money. They'll also show you the mind of Billy, who's the event uh, uh, leader, I guess, for lack of better terms, event <laughs> booker management of the whole thing. And then when you watch the Netflix version that sort of shows you the cultural fallout, uh, a little bit more of it from the perspective of the concert attendees, you'll know even more because you'll know how shifty the money was. I mean, the the Hulu one is basically like the millennial version of um, the big short. Well, now, didn't the Netflix one, which seemed like it had, number one, it had a higher production value. Sure. It was paced better it was shot better didn't have the billy interviews but wasn't that one um kind of made by or somehow fuck jerry yeah the fuck jerry guys because they came off poorly in the hulu yes yes and they came off at an arm's distance from despicable in the netflix one and i find that funny that they were in that one (laughs) yeah it's funny when you know that they're the subject matter of one of the documentaries and then sort of the the director or the creative force behind the second one. I will give them some credit, though, even though they seem like a despicable brand to me. Uh, I will give them some credit. They could have tried to make themselves the heroes, and they didn't. They try to just say, it didn't make sense. We got burnt, too. And like you put it perfectly. They just almost made it look like they were at arm's distance from the chaos. The Hulu one would make you think differently, but this is the amazing thing about uh, a documentary is that you got two different crews telling the exact same story using all the pieces and then putting their own focus on it. Who do they want to make the hero? Who do they want to make the villain? What's the narrative? Like I really enjoyed the Hulu one's focus on money and as soon as I want to say that's the best one then I think about the Netflix focus on the cultural fallout and then I want to say that's the best one. But then I also remember that watching Netflix one without knowing Hulu you don't know about all the shit with the money and I love the money stuff. So they're equally good. It's a great weekend. Boom, boom, back to back. Yeah, I tell everybody to watch both of them because you get two sides. Um, one thing that I want to point out is sometimes you and I often talk about how nobody can have fun anymore. We can't have fun with things. In the Netflix documentary, the uh, catering guy, the uh, older gay gentleman who tells the story about how they are like, get, he gets a call saying, hey, we need you to take, take one, one for, for the, the team. team. <laughs> that term, take one for the team was so hilarious. I knew where this was going, that he was... They wanted him to go give a blowjob to the, uh, the, I guess, the customs guy who was holding up their water delivery. <laughs> and, the Avion and I, water? Yeah. And, and he was just like, the way he told the story was just like classic. He was just like, okay, I'm really doing this. I'm like telling this. And he tells it, and he was going to go give, he was fully prepared, as he said, to go suck a dick. And, I, and That's what I was going to say. You you cleaned it up by saying blowjob. They literally called him like, we need you to go suck this guy's dick. Yeah. And he was down to take one. He was going to do it. He's like, I got mouthwash. I took a shower. I drove over there and I was expecting to do it. And you're like, whoa. I love that he was um, preparing himself like to be nice and healthy and clean and smell good for this guy. I know. He he had no idea what he was walking into. But the thing is, I've if I got to go, excuse me for a second, but if I got to go suck dick for three trailers of water, I'm going to go to like Skyline Chili. I'm going to put, <laughs> like my mouth is going to smell like a fucking dumpster. I'm like, all right, dude, pull out the sausage. Let's get going. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Your mouth looks pretty fucking dirty. I wouldn't clean it up for the guy. Yeah, he was making a nice, uh, nice entry point for him. So... Uh, Immediately, I saw social media backlash, which is like everything good or bad gets a social media backlash. And people were like, oh, yeah, you're laughing at that story, but you don't realize that's sexual harassment by those guys. And I'm like, sexual harassment is a horrible thing. It's the least shitty thing that group of individuals did. And all of that. When Billy steps up on that dumpster or whatever and tells those people who are expecting these townhomes or whatever that they've paid for. Yeah. Just find a tent. It'll be all right. <laughs> no way. Go find a FEMA tent that's soaking wet from the tropical storm or, you know, torrential downpour that happened the night before. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, though. There are those people that they sit back. They look for somebody to take a hot take, a firm, solid opinion, and then they go in and needle them on it. Whatever it is. And if you follow their internet history, one day they're needling that it's this, you know, this same person who said, 
you guys are having fun with these memes about the guy sucking dick, but that's sexual harassment. Follow their history. Last week they're saying, fuck Gillette for making a commercial about that. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. they're needlers. And there needs yeah. to be a term for it. Like if somebody would, I got the term. They're called billies. And they just go through this world <laughs> looking at every hot take and then just being like, okay, I'm going to go this way and go that way. Actually, that's not true because Billy does make firm opinions, even though they're grossly wrong most of the time. But well, can we just name it after his persona? Then can they be cobras? Cobras, they're cobra strikes. Okay. But the thing is, is you're getting into a, a, a situation now, and this goes into a whole bigger topic where people are afraid to have firm opinions because a firm opinion sets you out on the ledge. It makes you uh, a sitting duck, a target for somebody that just decides because they've got nothing better to do to go opposite of you. Um, he was a grown man. He had every right to say, you know what? I'm not fucking sucking this dick. I'm the f I'm getting the fuck out of here. He was committed to the project. He was willing to do it in his own mind. I'm not saying that it's right, but he didn't scream victim. I don't know why you would have to do that for him. Yeah, because I'm not going to like, you know, act like I know anything about this guy. But in his business, he's probably had to do maybe something similar before because he seemed ready to just be like he went right into gear with the prepping and the mouthwash and the showering like he he knew what the plan was. I mean, it was as if maybe this was something that he had done before. But anyways, I can't maybe. recommend that enough. And then something else that we said back on uh, the first show of the year when we gave you a layout to all the good TV on January. We're getting ready to get into all the stuff that's dropping this week. Over on Netflix, the Ted Bundy tapes, the three of us. We took what should be four and a half hours of TV and we stretched it into probably nine hours of conversation. We'd watch five minutes. Mark, hit pause. We'd hit pause and we would just talk about it. What a good group watch the Ted Bundy tapes were. What a fascinating fucking guy. I just started those and I had to pause because I started them with the wife. And so now, unbeknownst to me. Oh, God. This has become a wife watcher because I didn't think she would be interested. I just popped it on during the day when there wasn't anything else. And I, we were both in the same room. And I was like, I'm just going to check this out. Well, I got sucked in because the opening credits of that thing. If you can get me with your opening credits sequence i'm just I'm, I'm in and that one had it for sure it had all the good grit the flashing of old photographs working in the tape uh, mechanisms and stuff yeah. and i was like okay so i'm like all right i'm gonna look and see how the rest of this looks and then stacy was like into it and later you know we went and did something else and later on in the day she said hey are we going to go back to those that Ted Bundy show? And I was like, fuck, no. Nah. Because I was fully planning on just making a work day of that. Oh, yeah, you were. <laughs> so uh, that did not happen. But something else happened is we got into a show um, that I've been told for three, maybe two, three years to watch, a Netflix show. Well, it's not Netflix, but Netflix carries it now. Broadchurch. You ever watch that show? You know, that has been on my radar for uh, a long time. And th there's something about... I really love British television, but sometimes it looks like it's going to be work or maybe a little bit too gentlemanly. So even though I've been reading in entertainment weekly for years, Broadchurch, 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 season one, season two, season three, I never took the dive in. Is it worth it? It is absolutely worth it. Um, I was told going in a little bit of false information. I was told it was first season was one case by the detectives and then it was solved and then it went into another case. That's wrong. It's just a continuation of the case, but it sort of changes the focus. Um, I only made the jump um, finally after being recommended so many times because I've fallen in love with the actress from the favorite movie, Olivia Coleman. Mm. And she is also in Broadchurch. She's one of the main detectives. There's something about that woman. She's not particularly overly physically attractive. She doesn't look like anyone that you would look and go, that's a Connie girl. There's something about this person when they act, though, mm. that I can't stop looking. And she's going to be the new Elizabeth in the uh, the new season of The Crown. Because oh, you know, okay. they're, they're yeah, switching the over. So she's, she's going to be in that, too. Wow. So she was in this. Um, so I dumped it and we watched it in um, it's. Uh, eight episodes, I think. We watched it starting about eight o'clock one night and finished it the next afternoon. Wow. So, if, you know, if I could tie Stacy in on eight episodes in a day and a half, that's pretty it was good. good. That's pretty good. Also, going back to our January list, uh, we're still watching Sex Education, still uh, going our way through that. That's a great British show. And then another British show that I just followed up and wrapped up over on Amazon, they have. Um, 
what is it? it oh God, I can't think of the name of it now. It just slipped my mind. It, hold on. It's sorry. The, I was listening to what the dogs were doing in there. Yeah. I'm going to make an edit note. Is it that one that Sean recommended the bodyguard? No. No. It's the informant. Oh, we just or saw the informer, the, informer, or informant. We just saw the trailers for that, and as it was going out, Stacy was just like, "God, everybody's in this. Like, maybe we need to check this out." So that looks really, really good. It was, uh, it was really, really good over on Amazon Prime. Six episodes. The young Arab boy who's like the lead, fantastic. Like, really, really, really good actor, um, and just made me want to go back to London. I absolutely what? loved it. Let's talk about this six to eight episode show thing now. Like yeah. We used to get the 24 yeah. down to 13, 10. Now we're down to six and eight seems like a sweet spot for some shows. And yeah. those tend to be shows where I'm like, I want more of it. Or some of them I'm like, I hope this is just eight episodes, you know, like I love it, but I want it to finish and wrap up. Um, sex education that you mentioned is one that um, I think it was 12 maybe, but. I don't want that thing to end. I'm yeah. like, where's season two? Let's follow these kids and these people some more. Dairy Girls was another one. I wasn't sure about Dairy Girls at the beginning because of the thick accents. It was so hard to follow what was going on. Made it like a, a non-work watcher. And then by the last episode, I was like, holy fuck, this is over. So I hope that one makes its way back. The six hour show they seem to be paced pretty strong and they don't seem to drag. There's a lot of U.S. shows where if it is 10 or 12, somewhere in that the seventh inning stretch, it can get a little bit weird. And also, you know, when you do that many episodes, they typically pass around the different directors and production crews. So you'll get an episode that's like an odd duck or you'll get one that's like a total powerhouse. And it's just so interesting how it's like, I don't know, man, like, Maybe if you can't do it all yourself, do it smaller and, and stick, keep a focus on that quality. Uh, they almost feel like at six episodes, they could have been a movie. So I wonder if this isn't a new thing where folks who just can't get a movie made mm. or a movie is taking eight years in development. If they don't just bust that down into a six part series and hit up Hulu or Amazon Prime and say, here's this thing, because movies, you know, there's. So I guess it seems like fewer of them get through than TV shows these days. I wonder if that's a new avenue for people who can't get something made, make a miniseries. There's so many independent movies that come out. Like I was looking at the the tracking of what's dropping over the next two weeks as we put this episode out. And the amount of independent films that come out that, you know, I used to watch all the trailers and I get sucked in, but the list gets too long. You can't ever figure out. I mean, I live in a major market and sometimes I can't find where these movies end up. So I've kind of gotten down to just getting my heart set on the ones that really, really stand out. All right, let's do this. Let's look at what's going to be what's come on TV and what's going to be up over the next week or so. Not a lot well, going on. We're kind of in a weird uh, winter slump, which is you would think with people literally being stuck in their homes this week, you would want to be dropping all your best shit right now. Yeah, people are. We're just in the middle, you know, mid between the north and the south here in Kentucky. They call it the Mid-South, but I don't know how we're in the Mid-South. We're at the top of the South. But we are at 11 degrees for the past couple of days um, during the day. So that's wow. <laughs> it just going to the grocery store was a nightmare yesterday. And then I was just like came in and things that weren't even that interesting on TV. I just kind of set like a sludge in front of them. So you could pretty much put anything out and probably going to get some sort of numbers for it in this kind of weather. I had so much guilt yesterday. We went out to eat lunch. We decided to not eat on the patio. We went inside. And then when we were walking home, the sun was so beautiful the way it was setting. I'm like, don't take your phone out. Don't just don't be that guy. Like there's people right now that could die if they wanted to get their mailbox. Don't be that guy. All right. This past weekend, Friday over on Netflix, they dropped a uh, new season of television for a series called Russian Doll. Uh, Natasha Leone stars as a guest of honor at a never ending party. It kind of feels like imagine Groundhog Day with a much more indie vibe, a much darker vibe. Uh, Natasha Leone, you've seen her in tons of things. She always plays the peppermint patty, kind of the scruffy rough chick that you can never quite keep your fingers on. Uh, she's as good at drama as she is at comedy. This is going to go in my wife watcher pile. Eight episode comedy uh, created by Amy Poehler. Uh, 
it, it seems like something that Beth and I could easily make a Friday evening of. Yeah, I looked at the trailer for this, um, and I've been I follow her on Twitter, and because she's in Orange Is the New Black, and I've always liked her. Mm-hmm. Everything that she's ever in, it's like at least it's interesting. Yeah. If it's not like something that you're taking something away from, or epic television, or movies, or whatever, um, she's always. Uh, what was that one? Uh, Slums of, was it Slums of Beverly Hills? Is that what that one was I, called? The I movie? think that she was in that. Yeah. Is that what that's called? That was fantastic. Like I said, she is in Orange is New Black, and she's one of the more compelling characters in there that you don't get sick and tired of. There's something about her. She's got great timing. Um, it's like just a real groundedness to her that always makes me want to watch what she's doing. And this trailer, my only um, question about this show is on the trailer, it says from Amy Poehler. And I love Amy Poehler, but some of the things that she's been involved in outside of like Parks and Rec and the Sisters movie and a few other things have just fallen completely flat. She did a movie with, um, what's his face? Adam, no, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd. where they, they go on a date and it's one of the worst, it's like it's an all day date kind of thing or something. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up if anybody's interested in comments. I can find it, but it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh yeah. Please look that up. From two people that should have been slam dunk together yeah, in a comedy. She's, she's been kind of an interesting one in her career. And I, I would say out of you know who you would associate her with, Tina Fey seems to have a little bit of a stronger hand in, in knowing what to produce and what to get behind. But I always think that it must be interesting when you get to the point of your career where you're an actress or an actor and you decide that you no longer want to be in front of the camera or even a cameo that you just want to sort of like help other people bring good ideas together. And obviously, you know, make a little bit of that sweet, sweet passive income. I don't know how passive it is though. I looked up the movie. It's called they came together. Okay. And it is, here's the little synopsis. The owner Amy Poehler of an independent candy shop and the corporate stooge, Paul Rudd, who has been sent to shut her down, begin an unlikely romance. It's it almost you put the word in there, a small town around the holidays, and it sounds like a Hallmark Christmas movie tagline. <laughs> exactly. Also come out this past Friday. That was a great sentence. Also come out this past Friday. <laughs> Look who's a pro after 900 episodes. There's something over on Adult Swim that I can't really recommend, but I know some of you like obscure. You like very, very weird. I'm going to tell you right now, Tropical Cop tales adult swim when it goes into the midnight hours two burned out city cops uh relocate to a tropical paradise for relaxing in their twilight careers it ends up being the most vicious menacing place on earth not even slightly relaxing i watched the trailer it was so meta and what the fuck that if you like things that don't make sense that are just a mess this is perfect for you i will skip it I'm going to skip it too. The trailer was crazy. And it, to me, immediately I thought, this looks like an early student product project of Wes Anderson that he's now ashamed to put his name on. Yes. <laughs> it hit all of those oddity points, but with none of the charm or style. Yeah, it just seemed weird, but it did seem obscure enough and weird enough that I know someone in our audience is like, this is music to my ears, Bricky. I'm so sick of you talking about This Is Us all the time. Uh, Also, this past Friday over on Netflix, I bring this up because it's kind of in our world. uh, Velvet Buzzsaw is a thriller. It's It's a thriller set in the contemporary art world in L.A. where big money artists and mega collectors pay a high price when art collides with commerce. If you've ever been to the L.A. art show, it looks like they filmed it in there when nobody was in there at nighttime. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in it. It's done by the people that made Nightcrawler. It's him going creepy and not serious. It also has our favorite girl in there, Tia Leon. Did I get her name right? Is she in? I thought it was Tony Collette. Tony Collette. That's what I meant. I don't know what name yeah, did I just throw. She's our favorite. Out? Mark, come on. You know she's our favorite. I love her I so much. I looked at the trailer for this, and I see that he's playing gay again, Gyllenhaal, and he'll never top Jack Twist from. Um, Brokeback Mountain. Um, but he's playing like the weird, artsy, odd, gay guy in this. And it in the trailer, they said it was uh, mind-bending and Lynchian. Mm. So I'm already worried about that. But who, I don't know. It's uh, It seems interesting enough, but it feels like a bad indie movie from the trailer. But I'm interested enough to go ahead and give it a look. 
I think for those of us, by the way, I'm not dying. It's just the wife is cooking. That's why you might hear a fire alarm in my background. Uh, and she cooks for a living. The thing about it is, is I would probably pass, but being in the art world and in the art community, and particularly the one that happens here in LA, I was a speaker and a presenter at the LA art show last year. Being in that world, it, it seems mildly interesting to me, but I'll tell you this, never a good sign when they show you a murder in the trailer. Really? I haven't thought of that. Is there other bad movies where there was a murder in the trailer? I just think when they're willing to give away that much in the trailer, they have ruined all of the suspense around that character, that scene, that particular object. So they've just put a big hole in it for me where I'm like, well, that would have all been a lot more fun if I didn't watch the trailer. Yeah, this trailer did seem like it gave us a lot of information yeah. and maybe too much too that's much. tipped me over the scales of going, eh, I'm not sure about this. But it, like I said, it looked good. It looked interesting. It is in the art world. We're probably going to see and hear all kinds of things that being in the art world we've seen and heard and we're going to laugh at or or go, oh yeah, that, that shitty stuff. Tony Collette, Jake Gyllenhaal are enough for me to give it the look, but if it's bad, I'm not going to just do what I usually do and stick through it. Their movies have been questionable in the past. Hey friends, today's episode is made possible by my friends over at Sin Pro Online, which makes it so incredibly easy to save time and money no matter what you send. From letters and packages to overnights and flats, it's always easy when you send like a pro with Sin Pro Online, where you can easily compare USPS, UPS, and FedEx all in one online tool. Imagine if every time you went to spend money, you could pull up every single different flight, every single different meal, every different mobile transportation, whatever it is, imagine being able to see it all with the click of a button. That's what SendPro Online does for you. USPS, UPS, FedEx, you always know that when you're sending a package, it's going with the right carrier, which is going to save you both time and money. Print shipping labels and stamps from your own printer, track all your shipments, and always get an email notification when they arrive. SendPro Online is only $14.99 a month. And listeners can get a free 30-day trial when you visit pb.com slash design. pb.com slash design. Repeat it along with me. pb.com slash design. You'll even get a free 10-pound scale. Trust me. pb.com slash design. Synpro Online. It's going to save you both time and money. And what's more important than that? Coming True. up next Friday, the 8th. Uh, the, the, coming up this week, we have over on Netflix again, a movie that actually has got a pretty decent Metacritic score. Uh, it's called high and fly bird. I'm not going to say this is for everybody, but if you're into like a sports behind the scenes, money movie, people hustling, people trying to make things happen, it'll be right up your alley. The, the trailer for it was cut really, really well. And it just kept the story moving along. And there's one major reason why I will show up for this because I'm in love with Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. Yeah, she plays the main female lead in Atlanta. Uh she was in Deadpool. Oh. She's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It looks like the girl I took to my senior prom. <laughs> I'm interested in this because I read that it was all shot on an iPhone. Whoa. Yeah. I think maybe the whole thing is shot edited everything iphone i'm not sure but i'd know the shot so <clears throat> that's intriguing to me because from the trailer you cannot tell that i've seen movies people have put out award-winning movies even shot on iphone and you can tell this one when i started looking at the trailer i didn't know it was a movie i thought it was a tv show mm. from the way they were doing it. it seemed like there was enough in there to make like one of those six eight episode shows yeah it's got sports it's got street hustle it's got business underdog story it seems like and like changing up the way an industry is run so i'm kind of in on this one it's and it's a movie so we're gonna wrap it all up at once yeah 90 that's, minutes and you're out you know you you say something in there that's important to me even though i'm not a basketball fan it's a sport that i just don't really care too much about i do like street hustle street hustle mm -hmm. and money those are and underdogs like it, it checks a lot of boxes even though when i tell you it's a movie about basketball you're like what else you got on the pile over there uh this is something that i know you'll be excited about one day at a time returns you say that this is a sleeper hit it's a sleeper hit it's a, it keeps getting nominated for all kinds of awards the acting is great the storylines are great and it's just a throwback to old style sitcoms this could have been a norman lear 
in the 70s. Does it have a laugh and, track in it? Um, I don't even, can't even tell you. I can't remember and I've watched all the sh- every episode of it because we're laughing. So I don't mm-hmm. know if there's laughing going on in there too or not. Maybe in the beginning there is. The first episode, if anyone decides to take my recommendation and dive in on this, first episode is a pilot. What do we all know about pilots? They're rough. You've got to get through the first episode of it. When it starts to get into the, the you see that you get along with the family and, and figure out the personalities, the history of what's going on. And then they give you a nice sort of wrapped up every week problem, just like in the 70s. But we have three stories also for the family. It's just well acted. It's well made. It's something that I wish maybe it was getting more attention so it could have like maybe it was, if it was on an actual network of you know one of the big networks it would yeah. be ten, it would be insanely popular because it would hit with so many people it's also touching on subjects that i think families need to be sitting down and talking about these days um i don't want to turn all like you know uh health and family services on you here but you know it's talking about depression and you know, guns in schools and... Oh, wow. Uh, so it really is a throwback to old, old-timey... Oh, yeah, yeah. You have... Uh, the only thing is you don't have an Archie Bunker on this. You don't have like a, you know, a, a, a negative spin on things. They're just giving you the stories like one episode is the mother dealing with her own depression. I mean, Which, have we seen that Which, by the way, the mother, Justana Machato, yeah. I find her to be wildly sexy. You know, she is. And she was the not wildly sexy on Six Feet Under as Federico's wife. Or on, she was also on uh, Real House, or no, Desperate Housewives, right? Was she on Desperate Housewives? I want to think that she was on Desperate Housewives. Let me look that up and see it's if she It's been so long since I watched that, but that was a show that Tanner, like I watched that show with my son, which was crazy, but we, we loved that thing. Um, yeah, she's, there's something about yeah, her. Yeah, Desperate Housewives. Just, yeah, it's just a, like a, a realness about her. She, I can't believe she's not been nominated for more stuff. People really thought she was going to get some Emmy nominations for this. But I think it's like tucked away over there on Netflix. But everyone I've turned it on to, it's just like, I didn't want to like it. I didn't want to like it because it's a remake. And I didn't want to like it because it's just, you know, a, a sitcom. So good. If it had been on CBS, it would be the thing where, you know, be like replacing Big Bang Theory as everybody loving it. You know, it's kind of interesting because I've ragged on Hollywood for doing this before when they take a movie that I guess Hollywood decided that was historically a white focused movie and then they remake that and then they make it for a, a different audience. Like, you know, when they take Airplane and they just take that story and they make it into Soul Plane or when they mm-hmm. make, hey, you know what black people never had? A version of the Honeymooners they could relate to. Like, I always just find that to be like a weird Hollywood move that I see as incredibly racist and pandering mm-hmm. and it always makes me, I don't know, just kind of disgusted. But the fact that they took one day at a time shifted it over to like a Hispanic background, it almost makes sense because it's not pandering because these people would be those people, like the forgotten working class, the people that are literally going one day at a time. So it's almost like they went the idea of like, who would these people be in today's society? They'd probably be a Hispanic family living in this weird. So this one seems culturally right. Whereas the other ones just seem straight up racist and offensive and ignorant. Yeah. I don't feel like they, that it was, you know, the old white men of Hollywood saying, Oh, let's do this and, and make it Latina. I think it was, uh, someone and it was the writers and the creators answering a need for representation and go. also getting the right folks in there to write the stories and tell them accurately instead of you'll have a show where say it's all about, you know, uh, uh, Compton, uh, East Los Angeles culture, but you've got four white guys writing it. It's that's, you're just not going to get. And they're writing it based off of what they learned from boys in the the hood hood and colors back in the day. It's, uh, if any of you ever trust my TV recommendations, get past the pilot Stick with it. This will be a family that you will find yourself thinking about and that you'll want to go back and, and, and every time there's a new season, you're like, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. That's awesome. Now, this is one that I have very good vibes for. Uh, Wife Watcher, I feel like this could be a good hit. Pin 15. 
over on Hulu. Uh, it's all 10 episodes will stream on Friday the 8th. It's produced by Lonely Island, which, as you know, is Adam Sandberg's uh, mm-hmm. production company and a couple of his buds, and they did all those great video shorts, Dick in the Box, over on SNL. Um, it's set in middle school. The catch, two of the seventh graders are played by fully grown adults and the show's creators. Anna Conkle and Maya Erskine, who stars versions of their real selves in the year 2000. However, their classmates are all played by actual 13-year-olds. That's a really, really bad catch. That's a bad description of it because destroy that. If you're a Circle of Trust member, I have all of the trailers of what we've talked about today uh, listed below, where you can also comment below, and we'll read your comments next week. But watch the trailer, and it just it's a deep dive in the awkwardness, which is middle school, coming of age, puberty, everything I fucking love. This trailer hits all my points. I Me was too. watching it, found myself laughing. It's so odd, but not in that like hipster millennial odd portlandia way it's in more of an endearing i've been there giant news way yeah exactly one of the uh, creators and actress maya erskine is in one of my favorite uh, other hulu shows casual and she's one of my favorite parts about it there's something very um watchable about her very relatable about her now as this odd seventh grader i don't know <laughs> how that's going to carry over but i might find myself in a in an odd situation of watching her in this one but she is uh very good i would give this a recommendation based on the trailer yeah the trailer looks good when you when you have multiple scenes about uh masturbation exploration in your trailer you're letting me know what I'm in for, and I'm in for it. All right, here's something that I, I, I can't tell you a ton about, but it looked very interesting, and if all else fails, you're just going to hear really great music. Uh, remastered the two killings of Sam Cooke. Netflix original documentary series, Remastered, investigates high-profile events affecting some of the most legendary names in the music, presenting groundbreaking discoveries and insights beyond what's previously been reported. So it kind of sounds like Netflix is doing my favorite thing that happens over on YouTube, where somebody takes a very narrow subject, they almost just make a, a, a documentary book report out of it, and 15 minutes later, you're like, wow, I never knew that Australia had a, a place called uh, Wonderland that was like a real amusement park. And then somebody bad bought it and destroyed it. And then <laughs> 10 minutes later, you can forget about it, but you had a good time. Sam Cooke, one of my all-time favorites of that music genre. Um, this looked fascinating and looked like it could be a good hang watch. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things, historical, musical documentaries with footage guaranteed we're going to come out of this hearing some sam cook stuff that we've never heard before right and we're going to be all about it i is so this is a netflix series do you know what the other four were i heard this is the fifth one i don't never even but now i gotta go do a deep dive and see what the other ones are yeah because i've never heard of this i can't believe neither one of us ever heard it but uh, someone in the comments said that this was section five or something in part five and i'm like oh okay um there was also also um a little bit of giving me the good feels that i had for roadies and vinyl out of this you know like those were scripted shows but it was kind of like in this sort of groove so i'm definitely into this one give me just a second here i want to see what these other remasters are i'm going to see if i can pull this up quickly while i'm also broadcasting i'm going to go and look up remastered let's see what do we got here uh, remastered the Miami Show Band Massacre. Remastered uh, at the stadium. Do they have descriptions? Uh, let me see here. Remastered Who Shot the Sheriff. This one is about Bob Marley. Oh. Uh, remastered Who Killed Jam Master Jay. Remastered Tricky Dick and the Man in Black, which is about Johnny Cash uh, was invited to play for President Nixon. These all sound like I want to watch them. Remastered Massacre at the Stadium, known as Chili's Bob Dylan. Victor Jara was a fearless political... Oh, when it said Massacre at the Stadium, I was wondering if it was the story about uh, when the Rolling Stones played Mm -hmm. in San Francisco and the Hells Angels stabbed that guy. And you can actually... Yeah, you can see it all on video. And he was just being a cool dude, like trying to protect a girl. And he ended up getting stabbed. There's a great documentary uh, called... Give me, give me shelter. Yeah, about all of that that um, was done by the Maisel brothers, who also gave us Grey Gardens, which is a side note recommendation. Anyone that hasn't watched the Grey Gardens documentaries, please do that. Um, 
yeah, that would that series looks interesting to me. I'm glad that someone pointed out that it was five, so we could go and, and look at those. I, anything with Bob Marley for some reason I like to watch too. He's the only person that ever sang that kind of music. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get in an argument with a reggae fan. I mean, like. <laughs> well, first I'd have to find one, and then I'd have to argue with them. But yeah, I, that's not a that's not a way I want to spend my afternoon. And you know, I already don't like the way that the patchouli smells. <laughs> Over on Prime, I saw this trailer that looked really, really interesting. It was called White Dragon. I believe it, it's just a Prime movie that they're releasing. But it it was one of those things where I like where there's a bit of a story you're getting and then you're trying to solve out the mystery. So a guy's wife dies and all of a sudden the pieces don't add up and it's a sort of an international type of conflict deal. It looked it looked like it would be a fun thing to watch and try to put the pieces together while you're watching it. I I may be mistaken, but I don't think I am. I think this is a remake where Amazon takes, you know, projects from international uh, markets and remakes them. I believe this was a British show called Strangers mm. at one point, and it's been reworked. But the director of this White Dragon is also the director of Broadchurch that I mentioned earlier. Oh, okay. It seems so, like it had that same sort of vibe to it. Right. So reading that, then I liked the trailer for it. Um, and then it, it, the trailer reminded me of a lot of those like 80s movies with a little bit of international intrigue. There's mm -hmm. a spy. There's someone missing. We've got, you know, s some sort of international smuggling, something going on. But it's usually when you get that clash of like an American person going to a foreign country. Hong, you know, going to Hong Kong or Saigon or somewhere and having to figure out stuff amongst the locals. That's what I got out of this. And knowing that the Broadchurch director, because that show was really well paced, shot, and um, and I think that I'm I'm in for this one. Yeah, it looked really, really good. I was kind of like, I don't know. And as I watched the trailer, I'm like, oh, this is getting good. Now, I it was one of those where I don't even think I watched the last 30 seconds. I was like, I don't want to know more, know anymore. I know enough that I want to watch it. Right. Uh, also, Friday... Or I'm sorry, not Friday the 8th, but that Sunday, which would be the 10th. Just fucking kill me now. Kill me now because The Walking Dead returns and I'm stuck in it. I don't know <laughs> why, but I'll be back like a big dummy. I'll be sitting in front of my TV with a shirt on that says big dummy. Just sitting there watching a horrible, horrible show that once had a slight bit of greatness to it. Yeah, we saw a trailer pop up on regular TV, and it was like one of those, I guess they're called the Whisperers now or something, these new people on there. Like someone, like, you know, a, a creature walking towards the camera, and then it just cut off and said, like, WD on it or whatever. And we were like, is this what The Walking Dead is now? How how has this happened? It's, so we're not going to watch it. You're going to be my conduit for this. I'm going to hear about it from you. I'm, I will keep everybody who gave up a long time ago but is slightly curious. I will report in weekly and tell you just how... How much pain and suffering I have endured. I tell you right now that, um, what's the guy who got his head bashed in? Gra uh, Glenn. 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 I've had it worse than Glenn from watching <laughs> The Walking Dead, okay? My pain has been way worse than Glenn's because Glenn's was over fast and mine is long and slow. Long and so slow. you're like sitting on the couch, kind of slumped down imaginary zombies are pulling your entrails out each week while you're watching. I have no entrails left. I have none left. Every, you know, they say if you pull your intestines out, you could go around the globe with them. They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> also on um, this coming up Sunday, it's the Grammys. The Grammys always holds a soft spot in my heart. The weekend that we came out here to try to find our house and to commit to moving out here was Grammys weekend. We had it all dialed up. And I remember watching the Grammys being like, fuck, that's happening down the street. This is where I live now. So it always has that sort of like soft anniversary vibe to me. You also have another great game, Grammy memory. If that's It was Grammy week one year when you recorded the Zutat interview. Tom Zutat, that's right. He was out here. And go back in the archives, listen to the Tom Zutat interview. Connie hooked me up with that one. Not only did he figure out how to demolish his Chicago-based high school radio station, but that led him to getting a job at Electro Records, where he went on to discover and sign Motley Crue, Metallica, and Guns N' Roses. His story about psyching everybody out 
on Signing Guns and Roses, when I go out to a party and somebody's like, what's your podcast about? I tell them that story in like 45 seconds. Like, wow, what's that have to do with design? But great story. And I and I tell them, well, it has everything to do about design. Psyching everybody out. Here's who's playing uh, this Sunday. Camilla Cabello. Mm. I'm a fan. Cardi mm-hmm. B, overhyped. Brandy Carlisle. Please, everyone check out Brandy Carlisle. Is there gay stuff in it? There's so much gay stuff in it. She is out, lesbian, um, f- folk, uh, Americana type singer, but she's just got the chops. She she worked her way up, busking on street corners, Seattle, um, formed a band with two brothers that she found. She felt so confident in them. She said, I'm going to sell everything I own and and we are going to be a band and we're going to be successful. And guess what? Many, many years later, she is now an overnight success with this album. Um, it's called By the Way I Forgive You. It's one of the best things. I- I'm torn on last year because she's nominated up against Janelle Monet. And those were my two favorite records of last year for two completely and totally different reasons. So um, I check have, out the Grammys. I have found... Brandy Carlisle is very hardworking. When I was back in the music industry, it was when she first showed up on the radar. And the coalition of independent music stores that I did a lot of work for, they got they got behind her hard. And they really tried to push her because they knew she was the type of artist that their core audience would re- respond to. And they were absolutely right. Like the two bands that I saw the coalition get behind the most was Brandy Carlisle and the Kings of Leon. And, and both of those went on to have uh, really great careers. On the flip side, though, Janelle Monet, I don't like her music. I find her to have a personality like sandpaper. She's just too obnoxious. I'm not into it. And maybe it all started because the first time I ever heard her, I was told she's going to be a really, really big deal. Can you do a poster? Can you get it done fast? And by the way, we have no money. That was also my introduction to her. It was through her management. Yeah, I didn't get on the Janelle Monet train until she was in the movie Hidden Figures. Okay. I'm not old black and white suit jazzy um janelle monet fan i am the current out and proud pansexual writing and putting out the best pop funk album of last year in my opinion there you go that record is and i think some of that is like it's like maybe like her like living in her like you know you could you can for years she dodged those questions about her sexuality and then finally just came out and it seems like that that happens to a lot of people. They come out of the closet as, you know, celebrities and then boom, it just, they just blossom. Yeah. And it's such a, like an example to people. And there's so many like closeted celebrities that I wish would follow suit. I'm not going to out anybody. Don't care about any of that stuff. Thank but you. Just, I appreciate like, that. <laughs> look at the track record of people that have come out and then just like gone crazy. Anyway, back to the album. It's, I, have you listened to that dirty computer album? I've only heard what I've, what's been through mainstream. I haven't actually yeah. sit down and listened to it just because I'm not a fan of her, but I would say this yeah. to what you were just saying. When you have the burden of a secret that's that big or you, know, you just have that mental fuck of like all my friends know, but I just, I would come out, but God damn it. Then my grandpa's, there's always that one person in your life. That's the, the gate holder of all your misery. You know what I mean? They're the one that's standing yeah. right at the gate that you're just like, it's going to hurt them the most. Um, and obviously I, I haven't had to ever do this, but there are things that I've wanted to talk about, but it's like, oh, I can always see the face of the person that it would hurt the most. I'm like, do I really want to go past them to say this thing? I want to get off my heart. Um, so it only makes sense that once you settle with that, that big part of your brain is freed up to put even more into your art, your career, your performance, whatever it is. Uh, YouTube sensation, Sean Mendez will be on the stage. I don't really care for him, but it is neat to see in, in our world who has made it from social media to, to the, the center of the entertainment industry. Um, Miley Cyrus will be on there whom I'm a fan of. And is she doing that song with Mark Ronson? I thought I didn't like that song. I and, love that song. And now I love that song. And did you see her perform on SNL where it was all yeah. cleavage? Yes. This is going to become the show where we talk about girls, but it's okay because you're <laughs> here with me. Uh, yeah. you're, my, you're my TV wife. It, there was something sexual, not sexual about that. So she wore a silver tracksuit that was completely open. 
And it was so open that if you squint your eyes or have bad eyesight like I do, it made her chest at times look like a man's chest. It kind of almost, it was so much cleavage that the cleavage went away. <laughs> did you listen to her Howard interview the day or two before that? I did, but I had listened to that interview after I had seen the performance. So it was okay. even better because I had an insight to what I had just seen organically. Right. Like on the interview, he asked what she was going to wear. He was asked if she was going to wear a titty dress or something Which like I that. I fucking <laughs> hate that term so much. Because <laughs> every time he said, and then when Mamet says it, uh, we're going to get off. We'll have to Don't do a whole say hour. Mamet. Don't say Mamet. You'll get me going. That'll be the whole next hour. It'll get me going. It, yeah, we'll have to do a whole Howard like love-hate episode at some point. But anyway, she was on there, and he asked what she was going to wear. And Miley has really like embraced also like just being her like authentic self since she had that whole weird tongue sticking out, you know, wrecking ball phase of now she's just like pushing norms a little bit. And she said, sure. I'm going to wear something revealing, but I'm also just going to wear this like masculine type track suit. And I want to just present the two sides of myself. And I, so I was looking forward to seeing it after I heard that. And she, she killed it with that because what you said, you were like, it, she almost appeared mannish in the chest area, but yet she's also very feminine and sexual at the same time. I like that. I know that Miley Cyrus is thinking about those things these days. I liked it when she was straight on. It was very confusing and it put you in a weird headspace. Oh, it was almost like an art statement because when she was dead yeah. on, you're like, wow, it kind of looked like a man's chest. And then you forgot yeah. about cleavage. But then she would shift a little bit to the side. And you're like, what a great scoop of boob she's got in there. <laughs> so it was such a weird conflict. I like her attitude. And I think in this environment, if I was young and single, I'd have the same attitude of like, whatever comes my way. You want to touch yeah. it? I'm not going to discriminate. Whatever comes my way. I like that attitude. You said scoop of boob right there. I'm going to ask you a question. Two scoops of boobs, my favorite. (laughs) My favorite, There, I have two favorite parts of like a a body, Mm -hmm. female body. I'm not wanting to come off like lecherous or predatory here. I'm just giving you like a beauty thing. Side boob and the area of the side where it turns into the hip (sighs) on a female body. We're a match made in heaven. We're like this little part of the hip right here. <laughs> right as it curves into the front. Yes. It's where it's like the same where it all comes together. That little hip area. It drives me wild. And in the world of lingerie and swimsuits, when there's just that little string that goes over, it's like, look at that. Look at you. Look at you. You little string holding back the world's greatest prize. That is absolutely the sexiest spot on a woman's body. 100%. Yeah. God damn. Yep, that and a side boob. I mean, I'd rather see a glimpse of a good side boob than somebody going full frontal in like a program. The, give me the give me the hint. You're you're this is what you're looking at, okay? The side boob is the trailer. You always watch the trailer and want to go see the movie. The nipple a lot of times it's a letdown. A lot of times it's not what you were expecting. Maybe it's longer than what you wanted. Maybe it's shorter than what you wanted. Maybe it's going the wrong way. Maybe it's the wrong color. It, the side boob, stick with it. Or even better, the new school guys are listening, the under boob. That's also a big thing. But when under you teeth. go full boob, it's like it ends up breaking it. So, so very few are are perfect. And I'm just throwing out synthetic ones altogether. That's a category that yeah. I'm not a fan of. No. Give me an old-fashioned flapjack in the day of the week. Uh, also performing is Casey Musgraves. Uh, who cares? Um, her. Uh, you, H- don't, you don't like Casey Musgraves? I don't think I do, but maybe I do. Okay. Dan and Shay. Now this is something that uh, this is something that makes me. <laughs> I'm such a fucking secret redneck. Well, I'm a public redneck, but like I. Okay, guys, I'm straight edge. All right, I've never drank. My entire adult life. That's not to say that I haven't said, oh, what's bourbon taste like? Oh, fuck, that tastes really good. But a sip is enough. I now know what it tastes like. I'm done. And I know that if I did drink, I would drink bourbon. But when I hear that fucking when I taste tequila song, Mm -hmm. I have so much empathy in my heart for others. I hear that song and I think of the guy in the big fucking truck. He's worked all week and he can't wait to go home and just chill out with his old lady. And he's thinking in his mind, man, I've been fucking working double shifts on this electrician shit, but we're going to go to fucking Cabo and we're going to go out there on a raft and she's going to wear a string bikini and put that little rope over that top part of her hip where it all comes together. Like I hear the song and I get stoked for the redneck that would look at me and be like, get 
out of my way, you piece of trash. Like, there's something about this song that it just takes me to this fable of this hardworking guy in a full-size Silverado. With a Salt Life fucking sticker on the back of his truck. And he lives as, <laughs> he's as fucking landlocked as anybody. He don't even have, I mean, he might put a boat on the lake. There ain't no salt there. It's not, you're not living that Kenny Chesney, blue chair, vodka, or tequila, or whatever it is, rum life. You're when not I Jimmy Buffett. Tequila. God, I love that song. <laughs> it's so fucking good, man. It's so good. I'm just too close to it here, being so close to Nashville and working now in the folk slash country music genre americana genre with clients that that it's so it's, pop country so bad and then the formulaic stuff it's no longer the country that you and i grew up on it ain't bocephus land yeah down there and there's a few people making inroads that are you know playing fighting the good fight playing the good music playing you know the modern outlaw version of what they do and then there's that stuff that dan and shay it's just put together by the record labels there's you know they hire an uh, image consultant and a publicist before they ever hear a song by somebody and it just makes me fucking sick so please people don't listen to dan and shay Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to comment below today with connie collinsworth and myself i hope you're having a good time just hanging out, listening to some entertainment news, talking about all of our favorite shows and the new ones that are coming down the pike. By the way, if you don't know this, the second half is only available for members of the Circle of Trust. Yesterday, I gave out the entire episode for free to everyone, episode 900, to celebrate as a way to say thank you to free listeners and to also drive home the point that the Circle of Trust, not only on a day like today where we just give you companionship and a little bit of entertainment, but there's also a ton of education back there. If you look at our bud, A.B., Anderson Blue, who is able to listen to the show, trust his instincts, trust his talents, but let the show just sort of be that little Yoda, that little Obi-Wan Kenobi that guided him toward making a lot of moves to where now his brand, Blue Dreams, later this month is dropping an exclusive collab between Foot Locker and Asics for the brand G.I. Joe. It's a great story that literally shows how the listeners in the show are growing up together, influencing one another, and how we've not only built a podcast of over 900 episodes, but we've literally built a community. Help support that community. Help keep bringing AID to you each and every Monday through Friday by visiting AID.network and becoming a member of the Circle of Trust. You'll get the second part of today's episode, but you'll always know that you supported the free content and brought the show to you in your ear holes. This is where I need help from you. If you're a regular listener of comment below and you have a friend that you think would like this, but maybe doesn't care about the design talk or the hammer time talk, do us a favor. Tell your friend to go over to iTunes and search comment below, go to Spotify, search comment below. It now has its own feed, its own stream where you can just tune into this one show. And if you go over there and you can leave us a positive review, a great rating and tell everybody that this is the best show that pops up weekly on pop culture, TV, YouTube, and cinema. We would greatly appreciate it. Sign up today at AID.network or listen for free where you can find comment below on all podcast platforms. Now on to part two for members of the Circle of Trust. Let's get started right now. Let's get into the Circle of Trust. Now I've saved this for last because this is whom I'm most excited to see play at the Grammys. Uh... I'm a huge fan of Post Malone. His first record, when I fell into it, I'm like, man, this is so rare. I didn't know this would happen again, that there'd be an album where every song is good. I thought those days were past us. And then the second record came out and it was phenomenal. It, you know, like at first I'm like, oh, I don't know about the second one, but then I, I gave it a couple more spins and I got into it. Both of those records threw them into a playlist Every other single I could find of his, it just goes in this playlist. I listen to it on shuffle all the time. I think Post Malone is a super talent. What he's going to do with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I don't know. But this is actually something that makes me excited. And I'll tell you why I think that he's so good at what he does is because a lot of people that are in hip-hop, they're not also a musician. And he is a musician. He can play guitar very, very well. He can compose music and he can actually sing. So you take all of that talent, you reverse it back into a, being a very much an authentic um, hip hop music fan. You've got all of the threads to actually make 
good music. And I've seen him in videos and interviews because I wanted to figure out who is this Post Malone guy. He fucking just loves music. Like I was watching to him, I was watching a video of him on his tour bus. And every song that would come up, it would be like uh Seek and Destroy by, you know, old school Metallica. And he's just sitting there head banging and air guitar in every fucking note of the solo where like you could tell that he could actually play it. And I'm like, this is a guy that just loves music puts it all in a bag and makes this total future forward sound. I think Post Malone is the best thing that's happened to music in the last 10 years. Yeah, I haven't done any deep dives, but um, I do. I'm a fan of the, the pop radio and I do listen to um, those serious channels. And so everything that's been released, I've heard, but not any of the other stuff. I dig the sound, too, because I'm a super fan of people who can find a good sample, a good groove mm -hmm. and then 